The University of Miami administration has never been as aggressive as they are at this very moment about the football program and about the athletic department. So what was the turning point? You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, including pregame and postgame for the Miami Hurricanes. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen every day. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I want to talk about where this renewed commitment started into Miami Hurricanes athletics. And I was reminded of this by an article in CBS Sports this week by Sheehan Jayaraya. And if I'm butchering his name, I'm so, so sorry. Uh, he wrote about the biggest challenge for each of the new head coaches in the Power Five, the bigger programs at least. And the biggest challenge, he said, for Mario Cristobal is keeping everyone in alignment, right? When you talk about all the coaching staff, Alonso Highsmith is in now as the GM of football operations, a position that didn't previously exist. You've got a new athletic director in Dan Radakovich and a renewed commitment from the president's office and the administration to make this all work and to invest money and time into the athletic department. And guys, this didn't happen overnight. But it kind of felt like it happened overnight. And we had a commenter this week on YouTube talking about how we need to build a statue for Kirk Herbstreet, right? We should build him a statue right next to the Ron Frazier statue, maybe outside of Mark Light Field. And I also think Barry Jackson from the Miami Herald deserves like a bust in the Pro Football Hall of – well, not the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Maybe that, but in the UM Sports Hall of Fame. But, guys, the clearest turning point – when it comes to Miami's commitment to the athletic department, especially in football, goes back to college game day, September 25th of this past season, when Kirk Herbstreet eviscerated the University of Miami administration. I believe he did it out of love from a good place, not from a place of negativity. I've talked to Kurt many times over the years, to Kirk, I should say, Kurt. I've talked to Kirk many times over the years, and I know that he feels when Miami's good, college football is better. So I know it came from a place of love. But this is what Kirk Herbstreet said back in September that really put the wheels in motion for this renewed commitment. And I don't know if Mario Cristobal, Dan Radakovich, Alonzo Highsmith, any of these assistant coaches would be here if not for this. Herbstreet said, Go all the way back to 2006. It was the last year that Larry Coker was the coach there. That's 15 years. Miami has averaged 7-5 and five since 2006. They've had five head coaches. Just think about with the Orange Bowl gone, the student body has to drive 45 minutes to go to their games. You have an athletic department that clearly is not really showing that this is something that they are willing to try to make changes to. There was an article from Barry Jackson this week, uh, in the, in the, by the way, this week being back in September, Barry from the Miami Herald, we talk a lot about, 
that said the president basically told Blake James, then athletic director, hey, sports, you're on your own. That's your thing. I don't know if that's true, Herb Street said. It was in an article. To me, college football, you look at the powerhouse programs, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, president, AD, head coach, same vision. They are aligned in their vision for what needs to happen. Recruiting, budget, staff, whatever a team needs, that's what it takes. Miami doesn't have that, he said. So I don't think it matters who the head coach is, he says. Until you get a president and an AD and a coach together on the same page, I guess football doesn't matter. It matters to the alums, to the brotherhood of the U, but I don't know if it matters to the people making the decisions at Miami. And if they don't change that, it doesn't matter who's the head coach. In college football terms, that was like dropping a nuclear bomb. Again, college game day, one of the most watched weekly sports programs during college football season. That show is a freaking institution. And Kirk Herbstreet said that about Miami on college game day. And you bet your butt, <laughs> I try to keep it clean there. You bet your you know what. But that went back, and we know it did. It went back to the administrators. It certainly, word of it, got to then AD Blake James, then head coach Manny Diaz, who both responded to it, and the university president responded to it. That day has been described as the tipping point. That's when the powers at Miami, from the president to the trustees on down, realized we can't sit on our hands any longer. Great quote from an ESPN article that came out months ago from Manny Cadre, who's the vice chairman of the board of trustees. He said this to ESPN, quote, a lot of Miami fans were upset at Herb Street. I wasn't upset at all. He actually catapulted us onto a national spotlight that created a sense of energy that we wouldn't have been able to create ourselves. And again, the assist goes to Barry Jackson on this because he wrote the article that Herb Street read, that Herb Street cited on College Game Day, that really set the wheels in motion to make a lot of this stuff happen. Now, let's go through, guys, the timeline and the list of events that have taken place around the University of Miami Athletics since Herb Street dropped that bombshell on us. Since he said those things, just days after that, University President Julio Frank released a statement I remember receiving that statement in my email and being very interested to read it. Uh, that statement was pledging more involvement with the football program. At that time, I didn't know if those were just words. I didn't know if actions would follow those words. They sure did. All right. So after Julio Frank releases that statement, Miami eventually finishes their season. You know, they had a nice uh, they had a nice run in there, courtesy of Tyler Van Dyke. But they finished the season seven and five, which is that average that Herb Street talked about. We found out then after the season that university president Julio Frank's top advisors, Rudy Fernandez and Joe Echeverria, were appointed to work more closely with athletics, try to create more of that alignment and figure out how to fix it, how to fix football, and how they can stretch their finances and reappropriate the budget in order to do so, right? Because one of the things that we've been saying for years about Miami Athletics is they've had the excuse of, there's no money. We don't have the money. We don't have it. Well, there's been money. 
They just have allocated it to other things and they've neglected athletics. And yeah, now there is a lot more money because the U Health system has been absolutely thriving. I know we've talked about that a lot as well. Uh, you know, after, shortly after the season, they fire athletic director Blake James. He's now at Boston College. Good luck, BC. Uh, and then they opened up a true national search for his replacement. Unlike the search that got them Blake James, where he was appointed from the interim athletic director job. There was not a real search back then. There was a real search this time around. Uh, later on, once they knew they could secure Mario Cristobal, they let go of Manny Diaz as their head football coach. They officially hired Mario Cristobal for a reported sum of just over $8 million per season, by far the most Miami has ever spent on a head coach. Uh, they hire away Clemson's athletic director, Dan Radakovich, who oversaw and helped construct one of the most successful football programs in the country. Mario Cristobal starts hiring a staff with a reported budget of just over $8 million, the highest assistant coach budget in the ACC. Uh, he goes on an absolute tear, bringing in people like Michigan offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis for the same job at Miami, quarterbacks coach Frank Ponce, who I like a lot, Defensive coordinator Kevin Steele, linebackers coach Charlie Strong, Jamil Adai comes over from Georgia to coach your DBs, Pro Football Hall of Famer Jason Taylor takes a job as defensive analyst, just to name a few. Uh, you know, in January, we start to see a big influx of third parties paying out name, image, and likeness to Miami athletes, most notably from Life, uh, from Life Wallet. Uh, reports surface over the last couple of weeks that Miami will be investing $100 million in my Dr. Evil voice to improve their football practice and recovery facilities on campus, which would put them up there with what the big boys spend on the practice facilities. Just last week, they hire Alonso Highsmith away from the Seattle Seahawks front office to become the GM of football operations. And so, guys, we look at how far we've come, and I was inspired to talk about this, and I think it's something that's worth revisiting because maybe some of you forgot how important that Herb Street segment was. And by the way, Kirk, has he has talked with the powers that be at Miami since, and he has made it loud and clear, uh, as I stated, because I never took this the wrong way from what Kirk said. He meant everything with love. He wanted to help. Um, he wasn't just trying to bash Miami for the sake of bashing Miami. He legitimately wanted Miami to become a better football program again, and his words helped them do so. And I'm not forgetting about Barry Jackson as well for writing that article in the Herald that inspired all of this to take place. So here we are. It's a brave new era. It's the dawn of a new era, and I would encourage everyone to have some sense of patience with it uh, and on that note, I am going to go over here in a moment. I put out a little Twitter poll yesterday. And make sure you follow us on Twitter at LockedOnCanes. We will follow you back at LockedOnCanes. Two toughest, biggest games Miami are going to play this coming season, both on the road, at Texas A&M, at Clemson. How is Miami going to fare in those games? 2-0, 0-2. One and one, if they split, who do they beat? Who do they lose to? We went to the people, and we got some strong responses on this one. So we're going to talk about that, plus a big question mark that I still have on the defensive side of the football. 
And this is why I'm not ready to start planning any parade routes for national championships just yet. I may start a parade route, though, for the great people at betonline.net. I love this site. They're your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup. Celtics took game one, man. Ooh, I did put some money on Golden State to win the series, so we need a little comeback here. You can get NHL, Hockey Conference, Finals, Odds, Major League Baseball, and of course, the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. Head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. And guys, there's so much for the Hurricanes fans out there. ACC odds, Miami's over-under at 8.5, Tyler Van Dyke, Heisman odds. There's a lot of stuff for you to check out. Check it all out at BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, we have an important favor to ask you. We put together a survey so we can learn more about our listeners, people like you, and make your favorite Locked On podcast like this one even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked On Podcasts. So go to LockedOnPodcasts.com slash survey right now and get started. It won't take you very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcasts.com slash survey, and thank you so much for your help. All right, so let me pull up the results here. Uh, and thank you, by the way, for making Locked On Canes your first listen every day. Now, keep in mind, the people who vote on my polls when I put them out from the Locked On Canes account, predominantly Miami Hurricanes fans, I would imagine. So I put it out there. How will the Miami Hurricanes do against Texas A&M and Clemson this season? Uh, and the four choices were 0-2, 2-0, Beat AM only or beat Clemson only. Cocky Kane fan is back. We got some guts out there because the the ever so slight leader in the clubhouse is 2-0. 31% of you think uh Miami is gonna beat both AM and Clemson this year. <laughs> I'm certainly not banking on that, but I gotta tell you, if they win both of those games, if they beat both AM at College Station. Clemson at Death Valley, you're going to be talking college football playoff if that happens. It probably won't happen. But um, so 31% said they're going to go 2-0 and in those games. And then, you know, I guess a little Jekyll and Hyde action here because the next highest total, 29% says they will go 0-2 in those games. And then 23% of you said they will beat Clemson only. 17% says they will beat Texas A&M only. Now, if I could win just one of those games, which would it be? Some of you might say if you can win just one of those two games, you'd rather beat Clemson because it counts on your ACC record, right? That gets you a step farther to getting to the ACC championship game. Maybe have a chance to beat Clemson again if you get to the ACC championship game because it might be might be a rematch there. Um, I'm actually, it, it's tough again. And obviously, even if Miami loses to Clemson in the regular season, there's definitely still a road where you could win the coastal and then get the, another crack at Clemson or whoever in the ACC championship game. So if I can win either one of those, I would rather win the AM game 
because I think it's going to be the bigger spotlight and the earlier spotlight in the season, week three. Um, going to be big primetime broadcast. I know it's starting a little late for some of you, 9 p.m., but it's going to be a huge, huge broadcast. And it's, you know, more than a month earlier than the Clemson game. If Miami can go into College Station and shock AM, you are instantly on the map. Tyler Van Dyke, assuming he has a good game, if Miami beats Texas A&M, he's on the map as one of the Heisman front runners. That could be really a signature Heisman moment for him. So, yeah, I think if I if I had to choose an opportunity to win at least one of those, I think I would actually lean to the Texas A&M game because, again, you might still get another crack at Clemson in December. Um, and if you lose both of those games... I know some people are going to freak out about it um, and be like, why we're paying Mario 8 million. We're paying his assistants 8 million and we can't beat good teams. Like I'm not saying I want to lose both of those games, but I think I also understand that you've got to give them a little bit of leeway year one when you're taking over a team that's not very deep seven and five last year under Manny Diaz and yeah, people have pointed out to me, well, Diaz went seven and five, but think about how many close games you were like a handful of plays away from going 10 and two, but some of your victories were close. So you were also a handful of plays. If you want to play that game, you're a handful of plays from being five and seven, right? So, you know, the whole what if thing, you are what your record says you are. And Miami was a seven and five team last year. So um, I'm not going to freak out uh, unless they get blown, if they get blown out in both of those games. I think there are varying degrees of disappointment. If they're competitive in both of those games, but they lose both of them, I don't necessarily think that's any kind of an indictment on the culture or the coaching staff. I think you have to have a little bit of little bit of patience on it. But yeah, I thought it was uh it was interesting. We had some of the cocky, some of the cocky Kane fan were weighing in on this. But you know, talking about um concerns, right? We're not really going to know a whole lot about how much Miami's defense has improved until that Texas A&M game, because the first couple of games are cupcakes, warm-up games, preseason, it's going to feel like, and then you're really going to know what you have when you go in a college station. I love the coordinator, Kevin Steele. I love his assistance. Let's talk a little bit about Kevin Steele's defense and why I'm really bullish on this long term. I'm a little bit concerned in the short term. Um, 4-3 defense. I mean, sometimes it, it can look more like a 4-2-5. And keep in mind, Miami has a guy like Gilbert Frierson, who could potentially be one of your starting linebackers. He's played the striker position in the previous defense. Steele can do something similar with him there. Uh, but Kevin Steele, philosophy-wise, and he's got a ton of experience, he loves to maximize speed and explosiveness from his defensive personnel. Those are characteristics that I think makes him such a strong fit in Miami, right? Because those are the types of athletes that you recruit from this area, especially at defensive back and at linebacker. Like you're getting guys with blazing speed and blazing aggression, right? That's why, you know, you remember when Al Golden was at Miami and you had that very passive Midwestern type Mark D'Onofrio defense. Just, it just didn't work for the type of athletes that you have down here, okay? But when you run an aggressive defense like that, whether it's, you know, true 4-3, 4-2-5, four, 
Um, if you can't tackle, you're dead. And Miami led the nation in missed tackles last season. So the big thing for me is how quickly can these guys improve the fundamentals? And then, of course, how how much are some of the transfer players going to mask some of those deficiencies? Because Miami missed more tackles than any other team in major college football last year. And when you're playing with so much speed and aggression and sometimes overcommitting to make plays, if you miss tackles, you're going to get cooked. Right. And Kevin Steele said that in his introductory uh, press conference when he took over at Miami was taking questions. He's like, listen, uh, the play calls, they're not going to work if we're not making tackles. And since he took over, right, speaking before the spring game, after the spring game, if you were to take like a shot of hard liquor uh, every time Kevin Steele used the word tackling, like you would have been in an absolute bender in like a drunken stupor because he he talks about it a lot. Like he really stresses the fundamentals of it. And I know he's been working with players on it to really, you know, to put their heads on the ball, uh, to take the correct angles. Cause I think Miami's angles were really bad last year. And it kind of made you wonder what are these guys working on in practice? Right. So hopefully a lot of those fundamentals can be, can be uh, fixed very quickly because if these guys miss even, I don't know, two-thirds the amount of tackles that they missed a year ago, a lot of people will be blaming the coordinator for it when it's really not necessarily his fault. And so, yeah, um, you know, we could talk a little bit about linebackers as well. I want to get to that on the other side because this is interesting. Rivals has predicted – a top 10 linebacker in the class of 2023 to land at Miami. I think it's very much still up in the air. And even if you read the rivals prediction, it's not a very confident one because this is a sought after player talking to a number of different schools being recruited by a number of different schools. But um, you would think though, with the kind of staff Miami has and the kind of linebackers coach that they have now, um now with Charlie Strong that you're going to be landing some big fish there you know I like uh Robbie Washington who is committed to the class of 2023 that's a really solid linebacker that Miami's bringing in next year but we'll talk about what's on the horizon at that position and also uh for those of you who are watching us and listening to us in South Florida if you look out your window right now the weather stinks <laughs> how is that affecting our Miami sports weekend right We've been playing musical chairs with the baseball regional schedule. So let's get into that when we come back here on Locked on Canes on the Locked on Podcast Network. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen every day. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube as well. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever else you get your pods. And make sure you subscribe on YouTube and hit that thumbs up button if you are watching this in video form. So um, it's I, I've been trying to figure out when is the Miami baseball regional between Miami and Canisius actually going to happen. Uh, you know, the, we're we're doing this show on Friday. The game was originally scheduled 12 noon on Friday at the light Coral Gables regional. We've had these terrible storms that are rolling in all weekend from the Gulf of Mexico. They moved up Miami versus Canisius to 10 a.m. on Friday. Then they looked out a window and they realized we can't do this at 10 a.m. on Friday. 
So they've uh, they've rescheduled both of the regional games that were supposed to happen on Friday. They've now rescheduled them to Saturday. And so Miami Canisius is going to be, as the schedule states, 12 noon now on Saturday. I don't know what the meteorologists are saying about this. I don't know what like the long-term radar is showing. I'm not convinced the weather's going to be much better, if any better, on Saturday. It might be worse on Saturday than it is on Friday. So I'm I'm hoping we can get these games in, especially Miami Canisius, get it in in short order. But yeah, we've been playing, and, and obviously this is act of God. It's out of anybody's control. You know, they're, they're doing their best to try to get these games in, but the scheduling has been a little bit wonky over the last couple of days. And another thing uh, supposed to happen on Saturday, supposed to have football camps at the U, Mario Cristobal camps. Uh, you know, and again, the weather is supposed to be bad. The fields are supposed to be soggy. I've read some quotes from some high school coaches who are like, well, we, we don't really want to do this this weekend. If the fields are, are in soggy shape, we don't want any of our guys going out there and, you know, twisting ankles and getting hurt. So uh, it's a little bit messy. There's also, you know, a handful of uh, recruits that are visiting this weekend. I'm not as worried about that because, you know, it's, even if the weather's ugly outside, they still know it's Miami. They can still look at all the facilities and they can still talk to the former players and, and the coaches still have their great pitches. So I'm not, I'm not as worried about the official visits, but as far as the baseball goes and, and the camps go, I got to think all that's got to be uh, in jeopardy right now. So, all right. I mentioned the, uh, the rivals prediction for one of the top linebackers in the country, top 10 linebacker, Raul Aguirre from Georgia, a lot of good recruits in the state of Georgia these days. Uh, it was in their commitment predictions for top 10 uncommitted linebackers. Rivals.com projects four-star prospect Raul Aguirre to commit to Miami. Uh, they rank him as the 73rd best overall player, uh, sixth in the state of Georgia, third best linebacker. Uh, Miami currently has, as I mentioned, three-star linebacker Robbie Washington, who, again, I, I don't think the stars really do him justice. You could make the argument he probably should be a four-star, but whatever, three-star linebacker Robbie Washington. Uh, and so, yeah, apparently the uh, the prediction from rivals, because he doesn't have – I don't think he has crystal balls to anywhere, certainly not to Miami – but uh, but I don't think the rivals prediction is that confident for him. I'd like to see more publications predict where he's going to go. Uh, but we know we know Miami needs it, right? I mean, we, we've had a few guys exit in the transfer portal, but I think what's coming in is better than the guys who are going out, right? Because you have Caleb Johnson transferring in from from UCLA, he can play immediately. Uh, Wesley Blissaint, who I like a lot. He's coming in as a true freshman. We'll see how much he plays year one, but he's going to be awesome for the next few years. Washington coming in next year. So Miami's bringing in quality. Like they're bringing in quality. They just don't have the quantity. Like you'd like to have quantity of quality, right? Like because Miami had some quantity before, but not good players. Now they've got a you know, smaller group, but more quality players. You'd like to see more quality get brought in um so yeah and when we're circling back to how important the tackling is a lot of that tone has to be set from the linebacker position guys it's been a really really fun week of shows uh the week's not really over for us though because we are going to be doing a saturday episode I don't, the saturday episode might turn into a sunday episode because my idea was for the saturday episode 
to talk some football, but also review uh, Miami versus Canisius in the baseball regional. But since that's not happening until Saturday, maybe we'll do the show on Sunday or maybe we'll still do it on Saturday. Regardless, we are going to have a weekend episode for you guys. So thank you so much for supporting Locked on Canes. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. Now make your second listen the Locked on NBA Big Board. Raphael Barlow hosts this in-depth look into the biggest prospects, the latest player rankings, and of course, big boards. Follow Locked on NBA Big Board every day on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. And that's where you find us as well. Make sure you follow my personal Twitter account at Alex Dono, Dono spelled D-O-N-N-O. Make sure you follow the show Twitter account and guaranteed follow back from the show Twitter account at Locked on Canes. And we will talk to you guys this weekend for another episode of Locked on Canes on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.